everyone. Welcome to the Beyond the Waves podcast. I'm your host, Julia Taranzak, and my twin brother Michael has Down syndrome and is my inspiration behind everything that I do. My mission is to share the lessons I've learned in unconditional love through growing up with Michael, to provide a means of healing while empowering you to achieve what makes your heart sing, all while revealing the beauty behind each individual who has Down syndrome. Welcome to another guest episode of the Beyond the Waves podcast. On our show today, I am so excited to have Ruben Rivas. Ruben is a 17-year veteran of the commercial real estate industry, currently working for the largest owner and developer in Orange County. He is a member of the Building Owners and Managers Association of Orange County, including its Governmental Affairs and Political Action Committee Board. Ten years ago, Ruben and his wife, Wendy, welcomed the birth of their beautiful daughter with Down syndrome, Kaylin, and since then, he has further dedicated his life to advocacy at both the local and national level. Ruben has been on the board for the Down Syndrome Association of Orange County for the past nine years and has been the executive board president for the past three years. He is an athlete ambassador for the National Down Syndrome Society and oversees Down Syndrome United, a personal grassroots project through LinkedIn, which helps advise and coach Down Syndrome associations and nonprofit leadership. Welcome, Ruben, to the Beyond the Waves podcast. Ruben, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited. I think I met you on LinkedIn. Yes. And I'm just so honored to have you on the show and honored to connect. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. This is great. Of course. So can you share a little bit more with us what happened 10 and a half years ago when Kaylin came into your life? Yeah, it's uh, been a, a long 10 years. So it's, uh, you know, I was just talking with my wife earlier, trying to recall just how we were feeling in the um, process of doctors and birth and everything. So, you know, to go back even further, you know, when we were uh, going through pregnancy, we did not um, do any testing or didn't have any red flags that we were going to be having a child with Down syndrome. They actually gave us initially some statistics of a, a one in like 4,500 chance uh, that we were going to have a child with Down syndrome. And um, at, at that point, we decided not to do any further testings. And not to say that we would have, but we, we didn't have any reason to. So um, when Kaylin was born, Ten and a half years ago, it was a bit of a surprise, obviously an amazing day. Um, and it wasn't until the next day we had uh, a doctor come into our room and start just kind of looking over at Kaylin. We weren't even sure what for. You know, and at that point, you have so many nurses and doctors just looking at the baby and doing different things. It just was we were indifferent about it. Um, mentioned a couple things to us, as, as, as a lot of your folks might understand, you know, she had her, uh, her simian crease on her hand, so the single line that went across her hand, that was one of the red flags, her, her nipples were a little further apart, her toes were a little further apart, you know, those little things that we were completely unaware of, and uh, they said, hey, we thought um, we would take a look at her, and from what we see, we think she might have Down syndrome. Now, at that point, I admittedly knew very, very little. Um, my wife, interesting enough, had been a one-on-one aide 
for uh, a child with Down syndrome for many years, actually, when she was going through her credentials as a teacher. So she was very familiar to me. I, I really didn't know anything. And growing up where I did was never really introduced to any children or anybody with Down syndrome in my neighborhood. So a very new experience for me. Now, I, I, you know, we had to do the blood test. We had to wait a week before we found out. But between that time, I, I would say my initial reaction was was a very good one. I think for anybody that knows me well enough, I'm a pretty level-headed guy, uh, pretty understanding and easygoing. And I, I would say my biggest concern was really just the very brief amount of uh, research I did to know what type of medical concerns I would be dealing with and understanding whether or not she was going to have those or not was my biggest issue. As far as uh, coming to the realization that I had a child with Down syndrome or I was going to have a child with Down syndrome, it, it, it was a very positive response for me. It was a very positive response for my wife. And I think from everybody around us too, which was very good and, and, and very blessed because I, obviously there's a lot of family, a lot of people out there that either they don't have that initial reaction or the people around them don't have that initial reaction. So I would say it was a, uh, a good first experience. And from there, it was just trying to really figure out, okay, how do we move forward? What do we do? What are the next steps? Who do we hook up with in the community to make sure that we're doing the right things from the get-go? Yeah. Would you say you and your wife's feelings were kind of different? Like, I know she already had that background before. Mm -hmm. Did you mm -hmm. have any fear? Like, what were your emotions like that day? Yeah, you know, I think, uh, and again, if you know our family well enough, you know my wife's the one with the anxiety, the one that worries quite a bit. So as much as she knew more than me, she probably worried a little bit more than me, both very accepting at the same time, which, again, was very good for both of us. Uh, but I think for me, it was a, uh, a, an easier transition of just kind of taking it day by day and, and trying to figure out what the next steps are. And, and for a lack of a better phrase, just uh, call it problem solving. You know, okay, I have a child with special needs. So now what do I have to do? What do I have to learn? Uh, you know, it probably goes back to how I, I function in business, to tell you the truth. Just I have something that's in front of me. So how do I get through it? How do I resolve it? How do I do it to the best of my ability? And that was really my um, thought process from the very get-go is how do I be the best father that I can be? And in my opinion, it was just learning as much as I can learn, uh, being as patient as I could be, and just, again, taking it day by day and not trying to overwhelm myself with everything that may or may not uh, come at me at some point. Can you share a little bit more, like, how was the diagnosis shared with you? Because I know you said, you know, the doctors told you it may be a thing, it may not be. How was that experience? Yeah, it, it was, uh, you know, I think the hospital, and without saying the hospital, they could have done a better job, I think, of, of letting us know. When that person came in and gave us some of uh, that information that, hey, we think Kaylin might have Down syndrome, it took no longer than a minute before the therapist from the hospital was in there. They were handing us flyers on Down syndrome, trying to explain all this. And we couldn't, we didn't even have our head wrapped around it at this point. We hadn't even done the testing yet. So it was very overwhelming. And uh, 
interesting enough, it was pretty constant for the next couple of days as we were in the hospital. My wife and I didn't even really, really talk about it, honestly, until the drive home. Yeah. So it was, um, it, it was a little much. And, and I think, you know, there's a lot of horror stories out there that we hear about people in the medical community and the advice they give and the conversations they have with our families. And it is a, it is definitely happening out there. Unfortunately, I think there's a lot of um, education that needs to be outreach to the medical community. But I would say for the most part, the benefit of where we were at, it was all very positive. Uh, there was uh, nothing uh, negative as far as what we were going to go through. The support was pretty much uh, there from the beginning, which was a good thing. Yeah. If you, I mean, looking back, and I know you mentioned it was very overwhelming. Yeah. What steps do you think could have been taken to make it a little bit more of an uplifting or just a more supportive experience? You know, I think it was really tough in my scenario because we didn't know until she was born. You know, I, I, what I would really recommend and hope people do is that the, as soon as you learn, it's even a possibility because, you know, a lot of times we, we get these prenatal diagnoses that we don't necessarily know if it's, if it's a yes or no, unless you're doing some type of testing. And I know the testing is a lot better now than it was back when Kaylin was born 10 years ago. So yeah. the, um, you know, people could, could know this information a little bit sooner. So I think it's really connecting yourself to the right people, to the right community as soon as possible. What worries me a lot of times is when families find out this information, they're talking to friends, they're talking to people, they're getting advice from people that aren't in the community. They're not talking to advocates. And it's just a lot of times not the right information. And sometimes even when it is the right information, it's not said to them in the right way. So it's connecting them to the people who can explain it best. It's connecting them to you, Julia. It's connecting them to me, the organizations around them. And that's usually what I tell people is find out where your local Down syndrome organization is. And those are the first people you need to talk to. Those are the people you need to ask the questions to. It's educating yourself as soon as possible on everything that you're going to be, uh, you know, managing moving forward. Of course. So, Ruben, what kind of support did you receive when you first had Kaylin? What support did you get from your friends, your family, and especially from outside organizations early on? Yeah, you know, we were able to connect with the Down Syndrome Organization of Orange County very quickly. You know, we got one of these guest baskets which gosh, 10 years ago, I don't, I don't necessarily remember how we even got on the radar. You know, now I can tell you if, if, if that's what happened back to me 10 years ago, we connect with these hospitals up front to make sure that we are getting the names uh, and information of these individuals that are having children with Down syndrome. So every month we get a list of call it, you know, three to 10 um, families that have children that are born with Down syndrome. Uh, and we're able to send them something to make that introduction pretty quick. So for us, we got that basket pretty quick. We uh, did some research and we made some calls very quickly. We got involved with DSAOC very quickly after Kaylin was born, uh, born in May. And we were there at the Buddy Walk that same year in October in front of you know 3,000 people uh, celebrating Kaylin with uh, you know 100 of our friends. Um, on Angel Stadium Field over there. So we um, connected with the organizations very quickly. Locally, it was just a matter of having friends and family 
around us. We're thankfully uh, surrounded by friends and family living here in Southern California. Not too many people live elsewhere. So the people that came to our house, the people that were here to uh, not only support us uh, over the phone or over a call, but they were actually physically here with us as well. So that was just overwhelming and, and a great experience for us to have so many family and friends nearby. Yeah. Did you ever find yourself having any difficult conversations or having to really explain what Down syndrome was with anyone? Yeah, I think, you know, yes, it's, it's, I, I can list very, very few people that I, I wouldn't say a bad conversation, but, but definitely, you know, it's interesting. You talk to some people now who have a certain perception of what Down syndrome is. And um, when you talk to them, you can very quickly get a sense of the way people feel about other people, whether they have Down syndrome or any other kind of special needs. There's a bit of an uncomfortableness in the conversation. And, and I, at least for somebody like myself that's been around it now for over 10 years, I could sense the way people respond to these type of conversations. So the, there were very few that were like that. Mm -hmm. I think the rest were very positive and they asked a lot of questions and, um, you know, no different than our initial response. It was, okay, this is not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just, this is your child. We're celebrating. Now let's just learn together on, on how we move forward and how we create the best life we can for Caitlin. So again, I think a very overwhelmingly good experience in my case. What advice do you have for parents? Because I've seen, you know, so many people in the community, it's really, it can be tough to have those conversations. Yeah. It's really yeah. tough to not take them personally as well. What advice do Very. you have for parents? Very. I, I, and you've probably heard me talk about this in LinkedIn quite a bit. It's, it's um, you know, I, I'm a believer that you need to really educate yourself on more than just being a parent or loving your child and emotionally speaking about um, your daughter or your son with Down syndrome. I, I'm a strong believer as a parent, there's a bit of a responsibility to know more about what's going on and how to explain it because we have naturally, as a parent, become advocates for our children. Uh, there's no mom or dad out there that wants ill will towards the future of their child. So it's in order to do that, we need to kind of work together as advocates to be able to intelligently speak about what Down syndrome is. And it's not just painting a picture of flowers and then everything is perfect and everything's great because Julia, as you and I know, it's not, you know, we have a lot of challenges, right? So it's, it's painting the full picture. And I think what gets it a little bit deeper is that sometimes they're very easy conversations with friends and family and what is this, can you explain this to me? Those are the easy ones. The hard ones that I have, and I'm sure you have had at some point too, is a parent or somebody comes to you and, and has a prenatal diagnosis and they're talking about uh, you know, the possibility of abortion or something of that sort. You know, the conversation gets really scary and really deep at that point. And if you're not able to um, speak of the subject in a very kind of calm manner. And again, you're not trying to convince anybody. You're really trying to influence and educate people as advocates. I, that would be my, my hugest recommendation. And if you're not ready to do that, if you're not ready to have that conversation, 
it's pointing them in the direction of the people that you know that can't. It's the proper advocates, it's the organizations in your area. Um, it's a scary conversation to have, and I think you want to make sure people get the right answers. And it's really not the right time to start guessing or uh, giving wrong information. So that that would be my biggest recommendation. Thank you for sharing that. And I know you're also the president of the Downstream Association in Orange yeah. County. You gave a little bit of a glimpse of how you joined and your involvement. How can you just share the progression of kind of where you came to now? Yeah, it's been uh, 10 years now. I mean, it was really, I went to that initial buddy walk in October and by gosh, a couple months later, I was on the board and it was, it's been a learning experience for me. I wasn't always the president of the board. Obviously that, that took a while. And I think that's appropriate for anybody looking to get involved in an organization. You know, I really probably skipped quite a bit going into there, you know, jumping straight onto the board. I, I, what I really like people to do is, you know, initially volunteer for an organization, uh, go join a subcommittee for a buddy walk and then, you know, go lead something and then maybe look to being on the board of some type of organization. You know, there should probably be a better progression. I was able to just kind of jump right into it, which is good and bad because for a while it, it I didn't understand it. You know, for me, I'd been in business for a long time, but I never really ran a business from uh, beginning to end and to know everything there was to it. So it's definitely been a learning process for me, you know, as a board member and as the president, I, I really try to focus on the financial side, the business side, the acumen side of it. Uh, I'm not the most exciting guy in the board meeting because <laughs> I don't want to talk about programs. I mean, that's why we have staff is to run programs. That's why we have committees. So it's really the, uh, the finances and the operations. And for a time like this with COVID and the last couple months and all the struggles we've all had, uh, you know, that's when th that type of mindset really came into play. And thankfully, we've, we've survived and done pretty well over these last couple months. Yeah. How can we support Down Syndrome Association, uh, Down Syndrome Association of Orange County today? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, just like any nonprofit, uh, we appreciate any type of donations. You know, our organization is very much of a full service. So we do events, we do uh, education, we have everything. So it's, uh, you know, the financial support and donations are always appreciated. Besides that, you know, right now it's a little tricky with COVID as far as volunteering for events because uh, they're doing exactly what you and me are doing right now, which is doing virtual. We have a lot of stuff going on there, but one day I think we would love for people just to come see what we're doing. And I really love people that aren't in the community that come see what we're doing. We love young folks coming to our events. So again, we can kind of show that perception of what we're doing and we can introduce people uh, to all of our children who are also wonderful. So I would say it, it's really kind of the financial support along with just attending the events because once you see our kids, you're going to get addicted to them, you're going to love them, and then you're just going to want to keep helping out after that. Exactly. Do you have anything big planned for the next year? Is everything kind of just on pause until we find out what else is going to be going on yeah it, i mean it's a good question because it's uh you know we don't know exactly how long this is all going to happen so you know historically first half of the year we have our uh some big dances we have a golf tournament and then towards the end of the year in october we have a buddy walk uh so the second half of 2021 
if I had to guess, is gonna is gonna probably be okay about doing live events again, and I think we're gonna be able to to, to swing those. As far as golf and some of our big dances and some of our other programs to start, kind of that Q1, Q2 of 2021, we'll see. I think we'll continue to do what we've been doing uh, and we'll do it well. But we're trying to evolve just like every other organization. I think the success of any nonprofit or any business right now is trying to figure out a way to take the lessons learned from COVID, all these virtual events and be able to recognize that we, we need to enter 2021 and beyond in some type of a hybrid way. It's not waiting for COVID to be done and then I no longer have to do a virtual event. It's now figuring out how I either do both at the same time or create some type of event where I have, you know, maybe one being live and one being virtual. It's, I think, the way that any business is going to continue to be successful moving forward is trying to figure out how you're going to do both of them. Exactly. How has Kaylin been with virtual events this year? Uh, okay. Depends on the virtual event. She was virtually learning for a while, which was a nightmare. <laughs> uh, she did not do well with that. You know, we, uh, and just, you know, for anybody that has a child with Down syndrome, you know, it's hard enough to get them to focus in class. So you can only imagine them in front of a computer for three hours. And it's, it's it just wasn't a good situation. Uh, but you throw them in front of a DSAOC virtual uh, dance party where there's a bunch of lights and pictures and, and music she loves, and then she'll do great, of course. So it just, it really depends on the event we're talking about. But anything that's fun, she loves. Anything that's not, she doesn't. Uh, but her passion is really best in person. She's such a uh, friendly, verbal, loving little girl. Uh, anywhere we go, she's the one that's just waving hi and saying hello to everybody and screaming across the street to everybody. So she's definitely an attention getter. So I think the more she could do live, the better. But obviously, we're only going to do that when things are safe. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. I love hearing that. Yeah. And. I know you also have, you're an athlete ambassador for the National Down Syndrome yeah. Society. What does yeah. your role look like? Yeah, so I connected uh, with NDSS. Well, I've, I've known the National Down Syndrome Society for a number of years now because of the Orange County organization. And, you know, we work with them pretty closely on the buddy walk and quite a number of legislative issues in Orange County. So I connect with them rather often. So, you know, it, through that relationship, I was able to get introduced to a, the Athlete Ambassador Program, which is a newer program ran from them. It's just a couple years old, but uh, it's for anybody that wants to get involved that uh, most of our folks that are on the team are runners, they're triathletes, they're uh, OCR runners. So it's, it's not a huge group, but we are growing every single year. And, uh, you know, for me, I have a passion for running, for endurance running. So it was a kind of perfect opportunity for me to do something I already loved and connect it with the other thing that I love, which is advocating for kids and individuals with Down syndrome. Uh, so every single time I race a marathon or, or do anything of that sort, I have an NDSS uh, uh, bib on me or a tank top on me. So I'm basically, uh, you know, promoting their organization. And uh, I've got a couple people here and there to, uh, you know, ask me some questions, which is exactly why I do it. Just to, again, bring some more visibility to what we're all trying to do. Exactly. What, do you have any upcoming events with them? 
Yeah. So it was, you know, my last event was the LA Marathon back in March 2000 uh, of this of this year. Uh, one week later, all of Southern California was shut down. So to tell you the truth, I don't even know how we ran LA Marathon because there was, you know, 24,000 people. And then a week later, it's like you couldn't be next to somebody. So it, it, looking back, it probably wasn't the best decision for me to run that just uh, based on what was happening. So right now, um, my next event is in March 2021 because there's still so few live events in Southern California. This is a virtual challenge that I'm doing. Uh, I'll be running 321 miles in the month of March, which averages about 10.7 miles a day for every day for the month of March. How are you going to do that? Are you breaking it up a certain way? Uh, like, is that for your that's a great question. I don't know how I'm going to do it. So I, uh, I got to figure it out. Uh, you know, I, I, what I kind of envision is some type of morning run and I'm used to waking up in the morning and running a lot and, uh, doing something in the morning and then doing probably some type of little supplement when I get home from work or something of that sort. Now, I mean, granted, I, I, I run a lot, so it's, it's, I, I'm not uh, foreign to any this type of 60 to 80 mile type weeks. It sounds like a lot of running. It is a lot of running, but I, I'm used to doing it. What I'm not used to doing is that every single week for four weeks in a row, because normally what my marathon training looks like is I'll run uh, 60, 70 miles in a week. And then the next week I'll run maybe, you know, 40 and 50 and do some biking or something of that sort. So this is really a lot of miles, multiple weeks in a row. Uh, so I imagine I'm going to be hating life by mid month, probably. <laughs> and, uh, and a little grumpy in the office. And I've already warned people in my office, like there's just mid to late March, just don't even talk to me. I'm not going to be in the mood. <laughs> So, so we'll see how it goes, but I think it's, you know, I'm going to try to promote it a little bit on social media, uh, trying to get a little better with that. And just, again, hopefully bring some more visibility to everything that we're doing. Exactly. Well, I can't wait to follow your journey. You're more than welcome to run 321 miles with me in the month of March, or maybe you could swim 321 miles or something like I could that. Try. Yeah. Maybe I'll just take the whole month off and just swim. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I applaud you. That's going to be awesome. We'll see how um, it goes. Yeah. I also see from social media that you're part of Down Syndrome United. Yeah. Can yeah. you share a little bit more about that and how we can get involved? Yeah, that that is a... So it, it kind of dates back to the fact that I've been on the, a board for the Down Syndrome Association of Orange County for a long time. You know, I... I I'm involved with every step of that business and I, I've talked to a lot of families and a lot of people and really it was the, um, you know, comments of some people around me within the organization that are like, how, how else do you share this information and everything that you've learned? And, and I think historically I'm, I'm not a super talkative guy. I, I don't really, uh, you know, we go somewhere on the weekend and my wife's the one chatting everybody and I'm the one in the corner because I don't know anybody type guy. So, you know, I, I, what I'm trying to do is be better about sharing information and again, being a true advocate because I'm, I'm just, I've been doing it for so long. I, I feel a bit of a responsibility that I need to be sharing a little bit more about what I do. So Down Syndrome United is a personal project that I created on LinkedIn which gave me the ability to do something that I always like doing, which is looking up articles, 
uh, storytelling, kind of just anything and everything Down syndrome and sharing that with the community. Now, my, most of my community is very business oriented. So my expertise is really on the business side of, of DSAOC anyway. So what you will notice if you follow Down Syndrome United on LinkedIn is a lot of it is very business focused, which is appropriate for the platform, right? Um, and from there, I also kind of branch out and again, do a little storytelling and and, but for the most part, I'm really trying to guide the organizations. I have a lot of contacts across the nation, along with the national organizations that I speak with. So it's me being able to share my experiences and my uh, opinions on what's happening in this country and what's happening with Down syndrome and be able to uh, give that. So a lot of the commentary that you see on there is directly from me. Uh, so I would say if you are eager to get involved, and I have a lot of people that already you know, will forward me articles or things, or hey, what are your, what's your feedback on here, or here's what I think about this, uh, is, is really first and foremost following us on, um, on LinkedIn, uh, checking out the YouTube channel. So we have a couple of uh, videos that we're posting, and we'll continue to do that. Uh, a website as well. Uh, but it's really connecting with me directly on LinkedIn, and then from there, let's just build the relationship. And I, I would say my vision at some point is to expand this to exactly having a group of individuals who are advocates, doing the same thing I am, sharing best practices, information, and hey, maybe one day if there's enough support for it in the business community, it's creating some type of you know, nonprofit that is a little bit more uh, nationwide in supporting the organizations as opposed to looking more within um, just supporting, say, a, a condition or something of, 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 for medical or anything of that sort. It's really trying to help the people that are helping the families, again, helping the organization. So that's what I'm trying to do. Exactly. What sort of feedback have you gotten from the business world from that? Really, really good. You know, I think there, um, you know, we, we do a lot of things right in Orange County. You know, we spend a, a, a fair amount of our time making sure the business side of it runs well. Uh, we have very deep pockets, and that is because we're doing the right things. We're making the right decisions. I think anybody that runs a business can tell you, you know, obviously the more you understand the business side of it, that's what's going to allow you to do all the fun things you want. Look, looking at finances every single month is something that I do so that all my families can be a part of them and, and have fun at these events that we're throwing. So I think it's just really making sure that you understand that side and that's what's really going to make your organization thrive. Exactly. Well, I love to ask you, this is one of my favorite questions. Okay. What lessons have you learned from having Kaylin in your life? Oh, boy. Um, good or bad? Both. All of them. Whichever. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think, I think what you'll hear a lot of people say is that it, it really changes you as a person. It changes your mindset on life. I think it's... I am a much different and what I feel better person now than I've ever been because of Kaylin. You know, because of some of her little quirks, I have a whole lot more patience. I, uh, you know, am able to manage, uh, 
you know, the anxieties or any issues and, and for anyone that has a child with Down syndrome, all of the, you know, heart conditions or anything else, you know, you go through so much and there's so much emotion that comes with raising a child in general, not only a child with, with Down syndrome. You know, I think my, my mindset, my calmness, my patience has, has grown quite a bit. I think the lessons, other lessons learned, um, you know, I, I feel that anything that I've learned with Kaylin in those ways have really kind of brought me to the way that I treat other people, which is um, what I feel a much better way. I think growing up, just like all of us, we, we make a lot of bad decisions. We have bad mindsets. We um, judge quite a lot of people. And I think the maturity of me as a person has really grown quite a lot over the last 10 years. And I'd say I was a horrible person or anything of that sort, but it's, um, I think it really kind of uh, just, just is a blessing more than anything that I feel in a lot of ways that I have been chosen by God to, you know, have this child in front of me. And not only am I trying to be the best father I can be, I can now share my experiences and hopefully make other people better based on what I've gone through. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Is there anything else that you'd love for our audience to know about? Uh, you know, I, I, I think going back to what we talked about a little bit, I think for anybody that loves our children, that anybody that really wants to make an impact with this community, we have uh, a long way to go when it comes to advocating for individuals with Down syndrome. And that is shown through statistics of abortion and other ways where there's a lot of people that, that think very different than you and I, as far as not knowing what it means to know somebody with Down syndrome. And for anybody that's in the community, it's so clear, it's so obvious, it's a matter of just educating other people. So I would say my closing comment really is just to connect people that have questions, get out there, share your information on social media, share stories, share this podcast, with other people so that they can listen to these things. And then hopefully they could go and ask questions and learn more, go to these organization events, volunteer, and that's how you kind of suck them in. And again, it doesn't take much. It really doesn't take much. You hang out with my daughter for 10 minutes, you're gonna fall in love with her. You hang out with Michael for 10 minutes, you're gonna fall in love with her. It just, it's, that's the way it works. And, and as much as we know how amazing these folks are, that our kids are, it's just a matter of getting other people to understand it. And unfortunately, there's no quick way to do it. So it's just one person, one family at a time. So I think if we're working together and we're all doing that at the same time, this perception and change is gonna happen a lot quicker. And I would love to see it in my lifetime. So I think we all got a lot of work to do. So it's just a matter of getting out there and doing it. Exactly. You're so right. Their energy, it's so contagious. Those smiles, you get sucked right in. You know, it's, it's, I've never met anyone that's met my daughter that was like, yeah, you know what? I, I, I feel the same way or I still am uncomfortable with this. No, they're, they're in love and they're already asking me, okay, when can I come to the next buddy walk? When can I come to the next DSAOC event? 
when can I come hang out at your house again and go hang out with my daughter? Because, you know, anyone that comes in my house, my daughter thinks they're there for her. And it's immediately, you need to come to my room and come play with me and my toys. So every friend that ever comes through here is basically in my daughter's room for 30 minutes before I get to talk to them. <laughs> they're not coming for you. They're just coming for Kaylin. <laughs> Nobody's here for me. You know, it's everybody, the re world revolves around her. One day she'll learn that's not true, but for now it's just kind of cute. So we'll, we'll let yeah. her uh, just think that for now. I need, I need to envelop that confidence a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I thank you it's so much. And, and I think for you, Julia, I, I just want to thank you for what you're doing. I think this is an, a, an amazing way for a person like yourself as an advocate to, to get that word out. I think a lot of folks don't know how to do it. This is an amazing thing that you're doing, and I just re I really appreciate it. And I hope you continue to do it with some success. Thank you, Ruben. I appreciate it so much. Thank you for coming on to our show. Yeah, you're welcome. Anytime. Appreciate the time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please let me know. You can find me on Instagram at Beyond the Waves blog. And if you know someone who may benefit from today's episode, please feel free to share with them so we can share the Beyond the Waves mission of spreading unconditional love and showing what it looks like to grow up with a sibling who has Down syndrome. I'm so grateful for all of you, sending you all so much love, and I'll talk to you next week.